It is so good to be with you today. It's always an honor to be able to share God's word with you. We're going to jump into that in just a second. Um, Pastor Tim mentioned that I have been honored to be part of our church staff for the last 25 years. But maybe what you don't know is that I started attending church here with my family um, about 33 years ago when I was 11 years old. And so I've uh, been here since I was a wee youngster. And so uh, Pastor Tim and Alicia, they would be the first ones to say it's not about them. But God called them to be here in Ocala. God called them to be the pastors of Meadowbrook Church. And um, they have, because of the ministry that God's called them to, to, they have changed my life. And my life's been changed. I know many of your lives have been changed too. So can we honor our pastors, Pastor Tim and Alicia? We love you guys. So grateful for you. Well, we are going to have fun this morning. I'm so excited to be able to share with you. Uh, Anytime I have a chance to share, I just ask God, God, what are you speaking to my heart? What are you showing me? And then um, I'd kind of just be able to put that into a, a message to be able to share with all of us. And today we're going to talk about Jesus. All right. And so we're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to follow a little bit of the life of Jesus through the Gospels. And um, it's just something that we're going to be able to learn from and grow from. And I believe today that if we will dig in, if we will listen, if we will grab a hold of what God is sharing with us, that we can be changed, we can be encouraged, we can be sharpened a little bit. And I hope you know that we come to church for, to, to learn more about God and, and we do that to add strength to our lives. But we also do that to add strength to us so that we can help others around us. We can help others around us, whether you're at home, uh, whether you're at the grocery store, whether you're at one of the million uh, car washes we have here in town, wherever, wherever you are, that we can help others around us because of the strength that we have of God being in our, in our lives. And so we're going to dig into this a little bit today. We're going to look in John chapter 6. And in John chapter 6, it's a really cool passage of Scripture. And you may know the story. It kicks off with the story of the feeding of the 5,000, the large multitude that Jesus is, is, is feeding. And wherever Jesus was, there was a crowd that gathered. There were actually multitudes that gathered. And in this situation, there was a, a, a group of about, um, it says feeding of the 5,000, but we know by history that there was actually more than 5,000 there. There was 5,000 men, but if you add in the women and children, probably close to 15,000 people. And Jesus um, doesn't listen to the disciples because the disciples are like, hey, send them home. Like, we got things to do. Like, I, I got to go home to my house, you know. And they, they got, they're, they're trying to send them away, but Jesus says no. No, we're going to meet the need right where they are right now. And so the disciples find a boy with his Lunchable and, uh, you know, the crackers and, you know, the, the circles of ham. And he finds this little boy with this meal and Jesus takes it and he prays for it and he blesses it and feeds every single person that was there. A miracle took place. A miracle took place. And the, where the miracles were, the crowd was. Later that day, Jesus went away and it was getting late, so the disciples were trying to find out where Jesus was, couldn't find him. And so they went ahead and went to the other side of the lake. And it's about a six-mile trip from one side to the other side. And as they were going, about halfway in, they, they rode to about the halfway mark. And when they got there, the winds picked up and the seas rose, and they were worried. And before they knew it, Jesus was walking on the water to them. Jesus walked right to where the disciples were in the middle of the lake, in the middle of their chaos and their crisis and their situations at the moment. And the Bible says he got in the boat with them. And listen, it says immediately they were on the other side. Crazy cool miracle, right? Halfway there, and Jesus brought them to the other side. 
So we're seeing that these miracles are happening, and because the miracles are happening, people are following where Jesus is and trying to be where Jesus is. And so they're on the other side of the lake the next morning. The crowd wakes up, and they're like, where's Jesus? We can't find him. Where did he go? And so they discover that he's on the other side of the lake already. And we're going to pick up here in John chapter 6, verse 26, and we're going to dig into this. Now, you're going to see a lot of letters in red, and this is Jesus speaking. Um, And what happens is the crowd goes to the other side, and like, Jesus, where have you been? How did you get here? And then Jesus replies this, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. The message paraphrase says it this way. It says, Jesus answered, you've come looking for me, not because you saw God in my actions, but because I fed you, filled your stomachs, and for free. So Jesus is kind of reading their mail a little bit. Jesus is understanding that some of the crowd that, that's there, they're actually following Jesus for the wrong reasons. They're following Jesus to discover what they can get from Jesus, not just because of who Jesus is. They're trying to discover, what is it that I can get for you? Jesus, how, what can you do next for me? What can you do next in my life? They weren't really following because of who he was as the son of God. And it's the idea of this, and, and we could probably relate a little bit with this because the danger for us sometimes, and I believe the danger for the crowd at that time, was that we can know of somebody, someone or know someone. You can know of Jesus or you can know Jesus. And see, I, my, my wife and I, we've been married for almost 23 years this year, and I know her. She's my best friend. Like, I know her likes. I know her dislikes. I know how she likes to celebrate. I know how she likes to rest. I know, like, what she likes to eat. You know, we, I know her. I have a relationship with her. But see, I know of Michael Jordan. I, I mean, I've seen the documentaries. I've, I've watched him play. You know, I, but I know of him. I don't really know him. I know of him. Mike doesn't call me up and say, hey, Sean, like, I'm working this deal, you know, these Jordans, you know, I'm trying to figure this thing out. He doesn't, he doesn't do that. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know him. I know of him. I know my wife. I know of Michael Jordan. But the danger for us is that we know of Jesus and we don't know Jesus. And you may say, well, Sean, I'm at church today. Just because you come to church doesn't mean you know Jesus. It could just mean that you know of Jesus and this is just something that you do. And I know that's not the fact here for the, for the 1030 service at Meadowbrook. I know that's, that's not what's up. I know, I know you guys. And I think if we can ask ourselves that question, I think all on the inside of us, we all want to know Jesus. We all want that on the inside of us. And so we're going to read a little bit further and see what Jesus is telling us and see how Jesus addresses the crowd and really see how the crowd addresses Jesus. And I believe this is going to help us today, all right? So let's keep reading. In verse 27, it says this. Don't be concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want to perform works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. The only work that he wants from you to do is to believe in the one he has sent. And I find it interesting, this next passage, that the crowd 
begins taunting Jesus. The crowd begins to challenge Jesus. And they say this, show us miraculous signs if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scripture says Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Didn't Jesus just feed 15,000 people? He's, they're asking for a sign. Give us a sign that you are who you say you are, and maybe we'll believe. And so this is alarming. This is concerning to Jesus that they're not getting it. They know of him but don't know him. And Jesus, for clarity, says this. I tell you the truth. Moses, he didn't give you bread from heaven. It's my father did. Now he offers you true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said, Jesus, give us that. We want that because they're still thinking physically and not eternally. In verse 35, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He says, I am the bread of life. Now, if you know anything about the book of John and how Jesus was going through the gospels here, there was actually seven I am statements. I'm holding up seven. There's seven I am statements that Jesus says in the book of John. And I want to read those to you because they have significance to us today. The first one is that we already discussed. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the door of the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. These are seven I am statements that Jesus is sharing. Now he's referencing, just like the crowd did, about Moses providing manna. Really, it was from God. But this time that Moses provided manna, so Jesus is kind of referencing that interaction that Moses had with God. Before Moses provided manna, Moses had an encounter with God. Because Moses didn't think he could do anything God wanted him to do. And so God shows up to Moses in the middle of a field by, through a bush that's burning but is not consumed. And in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, it says this, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Essentially what God is saying to Moses, I am the eternal one. I am before heavens and I am before earth. I always was and I always will be. And he says, I am who I am. What he's saying is, I am, period. What other questions do you have? I am, period. What other things are you concerned about, Moses? I am, period. And so Jesus is referencing what God spoke to Moses to kind of connect them to what's going on. And he's saying, I am who I am. And he is making this declaration. Because why? Because he is God. And he is our God. And he is my God. He is God. He's our God. And he's my God. And he's your God. So that means when we are in the middle of difficulties, when we are in the middle of chaos, when we are in the middle of a lake and we're not sure what's going to happen, the I am shows up right where we are. That means when we're in the middle of stress and we're in the middle of anxiety and we're in the middle of trying to figure out what's going to happen at the house, what's going to happen at work, what's going to happen with our health, that we can step into those seasons of our life, not alone, 
but with the I am stepping before us. The I am, the Holy One, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The I am, period. That's the kind of God we serve. Amen? That's the kind of God that we have. So God is sharing this and Jesus is sharing this with them so they understand who he is. Who he is. And I believe God is teaching us a few things I just want to share with you this morning. He's teaching us here that the bread of life is the only thing that can save us. The bread of life is the only thing that can save us. It says in verse 33, the true bread of God is the only one, is the one, excuse me, that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And I find it interesting, the crowd is like, well, how do I do this, Jesus? Like, what works do I need to do to figure this out? And if we can relate a little bit to the crowd, because we try to do that ourselves, don't we? We try to fix things ourselves. We try to control things ourselves. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you're a control freak in here because we're at at church. But we have control issues. It's hard for us sometimes to give over control. It's hard for us sometimes to be like, wait, you mean Jesus, only thing I have to do is believe in the one who sent you? We think there's a, a whole thing of works that we need to do to believe in God. There's not. What we're supposed to do is believe in the one who God sent. His name is Jesus. That's that's what we're supposed to do, and that's who we're supposed to believe. And so let's be clear. Make sure we're all on the same page. God sent his son, Jesus, to step out of heaven into history, onto this planet for you and for me to give up where he was in heaven, to join us here on this earth, to experience what we are are experiencing. But not only that, but that he gave up his life so that we can live. That's Jesus. That's what God did for us. And that's what he, he, he gave up his son for us so that we can be set free from the things that are in our lives. So the bread of life is the only thing that can save us. Also, the bread of life is the only thing that can satisfy us. In verse 27, it says, don't be concerned, excuse me, don't be so concerned, which means there's going to be a little concern, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. In verse 35, it says, come to me and you will not hunger. Believe in me and you will not thirst. On the inside of us, We all have a hunger that is greater than a physical hunger. We all have a thirst that is greater than a physical thirst. The reality is is that we have an eternal and heavenly void on the inside of us that cannot be filled with an earthly solution. There is something, there is a heavenly void on on the inside of us that cannot be filled with an earthly solution. And we see this happening all the time. Um, that we try to do that and we try to have this cycle of doing uh, an earthly solution to try to fill a heavenly void and we go after that earthly thing and it feels good for a moment and then it falls apart. And we find another earthly thing to try to fit a, a, a heavenly solution and we do that for a little bit and it feels good for a little bit but then it falls apart. That's why we stumble through life with different addictions that we face. And whenever you hear the word addiction, don't automatically dismiss that from your life. Because addiction comes in all shapes and all sizes. Addictions hit us differently in different people in different ways. It may be a phone in your hand or it may be uh, crack cocaine. There's all different spectrums of what addiction looks like. 
But what we do as humans sometimes, we try to do the works. Like, what, what work can I do? And we try to use, we try to get an uh, earthly solution to try to fill a heavenly void. And church, listen, it doesn't work. It won't work. It's only the bread of life. It's only Jesus that can satisfy us. It's only Jesus that can help us. It's only Jesus that we need. Amen. So we can't stumble through life looking for the earthly solutions to a heavenly, heavenly void in our lives. We have to understand it's Jesus that can satisfy us. It's Jesus that it can help us. And we have to break the cycle of the earthly solutions to an earthly need and an earthly uh, thing to try to help you. We have to break that cycle. So I'm going to give us a couple things that can help us uh, today in this. And the first one is to do that, is to break the cycle. Break the cycle in your lives. Maybe a cycle that has been formed when you were a, a child or a teen, or maybe a, a cycle that has been formed in your life to repeat behavior that continues to happen, that this thing happens, and then you try to find that earthly solution for a, a heavenly void in your life, and you keep the cycle going, and it feels good for a little bit, but then it falls apart, and you keep the same cycle going. But I think sometimes we have to look, step back a little bit and say, what cycle in my life needs to break? What cycle in my life needs to be Adjusted, And so I want to share with you a verse in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says this. It says, And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by renewing your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes, so that you may prove for yourself that the will of, what the will of God is and that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. Listen to these two things it says for us to do. Be transformed and progressively changed. Be transformed and progressively changed. A sign of spiritual maturity. I hope we all understand this, that once we give our lives to God, once we put God first in our lives, that's not the end. That's actually the beginning. And then we go through life and we have this biblical word happening in our lives called sanctification. And we're continuing to grow after God and learning and progressing and sharpening ourselves and being who God wants us to be. Letting go of things that we need to let go and picking up other things that are actually going to help us and encourage us. It's being transformed. It's being helped. That's what we're doing right now. We have time to worship God. We have time to get in God's word. We're transforming ourselves. The idea is growth. The idea is becoming stronger. The idea is, is getting spiritually healthy. And then we have things at home we do by, by quiet time and devotion time and prayer. And that's why we have small groups and, and our dream team. And that's why we do all those different activities, not just in here, but all throughout our church. All of our next-gen areas are doing exactly what we're doing. They're worshiping, spending time to God, with God together, doing small groups. Why? Because we want to continually transform our lives for the kingdom of God, to strengthen ourselves in the hopes of being able to strengthen those around us that need, need help around us. So we need to, to break the cycle. The second thing um, in, that, in that process is being transformed and progressively changed. The second thing is renewing your mind, it says. We do this by renewing our mind. Breaking the cycle of negativity, breaking the cycle of addiction, breaking the cycle of shame and of, of pride and of insecurity and anxiety, breaking the cycle. You have the power because the I am period lives on the inside of you. We have the power to break those cycles. You don't have to hang on to something just because it's how it used to be. 
or just because that's how family used to be or just because how family is now. You can break the cycle in your life, not through your power, not through your ability, not through your strength, but through the I am that's in you. Amen? So we need to break those cycles that are in our lives, identify them and break those cycles. The second thing we need to do, first is to break the cycle. The second thing to do is to change our focus. Change our focus. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. Another passage of Scripture says, Fix your eyes on Jesus. We look to Jesus. Fix our eyes to Jesus, the founder, the perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of of the throne of God. This is what happens to us so many times, and this is what I'm just trying to challenge you with today, is that the devil is doing whatever he can to kill, steal, and to destroy you. And he's going to do whatever he can, and, and sin has a tricky way of clinging to us, of being part of who we are. And if we don't stick up to that, if we don't go to the I am and ask him for help on that, if we don't reject that, if we don't break that cycle, that sin will so easily entangle us. You don't have to look too far to realize in other people's lives that maybe that's happening. Be honest, we don't have to look too far in our lives that that's happening as well. We have to fight that cycle. We have to push that away. And what does it say? That we're to run with endurance. Run with strength. Run as a a marathon, not as a sprint. And run in a way that we're being transformed by the renewing of our minds, transforming into who God wants us to be, to have the life that he wants for us. Looking to Jesus, putting our eyes on Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. I know and I believe that the I am, our God is alive. He's with us. He is for us. He wants to help us. And that there is power in the name of Jesus. I truly believe that. And in the remaining part of this passage, you're going to find that as Jesus is challenging people, and as he is kind of putting things in front of them, and as he is kind of pushing back to them some things that he's hearing and and observing, we're going to see here that people begin to leave Jesus. One person leaves, 10 people leave, 20 people leave. People begin to leave because maybe they don't understand or maybe they're not able to accept the challenge. But in verse 66, it says this. At this point, many of his disciples or the crowd have turned away and started deserting him. Many of the disciples or the crowd have turned away and have deserted him. And Jesus is on this earth. He he left heaven. And he came into this earth and he's seeing people leave. He's seeing people that, who he thought were close to him, seeing people that he just did miracles for. He's seeing them leave. And I can only imagine the weight and, and the hurt and the emotional feelings that as a, a God, God became man expressing and feeling that. Because I know in my life when that's happened to me before, the weight has been heavy. And Jesus is at this point of heaviness and out of desperation, out of sure just desperation, he turns to his, his 12, his disciples. And in verse 67, it says, and, and Jesus turned to the 12 
And he asked, are you also going to leave? And Simon Peter, this is Simon Peter that sometimes gets a bad rap for getting things wrong. He gets it right here. And he says, Lord, to whom would we go? What else would we do? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. What else, what else would I do, God? Where else would I go? What, what else, what, what else would, I, would I have? It's you. And I think the challenge for us sometimes is that when we feel like quitting, when we feel like turning our back on God, when we feel like doing things ourselves, that's not the point that we, we give up and, and turn our backs on God. We got we to gotta get some grit and we got to have some grit like Peter had and said, listen, God, where else would I go? I see everybody else doing everything else, but God, what else would I do? You are the God that I serve. You are the God that I love. And in the middle of things that maybe seem hard, in the middle of things that maybe feel like, feel like are in the middle of a crisis or in the middle of a struggle or things that seem like they're falling apart, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to step closer. It's not a, Christianity is not a retreat. Christianity, Christianity is an advancing Christianity. We are being transformed. We are being helped. We are being built. We are being strengthened because we've got a job to do. We've got things that God wants us to do. So I want to challenge you right where you are to realize and understand and, and have some tenacity with maybe some things going on in your life or maybe some other people's lives around you. No matter what you're facing, no matter what the void is in your life, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. Say that with me. Jesus is enough. He's enough. Well, Sean, I'm going through this with my marriage. Jesus is enough. Sean, you don't understand. I'm dealing with this with a, a child or at work or I have this ailment or I have this thing going on in my mind and in my heart and my body. Jesus is enough. I think for us as Christians today, we got to get a little bit of grit and we got to step into this a little bit and realize that the I am is on the inside of us. We've got to fight. We've got to push forward. We've got to stand up for we know what God has for us. Because I believe God's got some big things in store for us. Church, Jesus, say with me, is enough. Amen. Did you get anything out of this today? Amen, amen.